Welcome to a very special edition of Talking Comics. I am your host, Stephanie Cook, and I am joined for this special edition by Mr. Bob Ryer. Good evening, all, or good morning, or afternoon, or what have you. <laughs> and Mr. Mike McShane. Hello there, folks. Welcome. So, if you've been following uh, Talking Comics, the website, you may have noticed that we had a very cool uh, little story about uh, the Anateus Anateus uh, Theater Company uh, talking about the Kickstarter that they're doing uh, that's raising money for them to be at a new location. Uh, so Mike is a part of that theater company, and he's joined us to talk a little bit about that and play trivia with us. Mike, mm, yes. can you tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing for this Kickstarter and at the company itself? Okay, I'll start with the company. Uh, the Antius Theater Company has been around for, for almost 20 odd more years uh, with um, quite a few company members. It's made of theater actors who work in Los Angeles, who work in film and television. Uh, such people as like Greg Etson, was the vice president on 24, Armin Shimmerman, who was Quark in one of the Star Trek series, Harry Gruner, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, me, Doctor Who, whose line is it anyway? Um, so a lot of us uh, end up doing a lot of fantasy and science fiction work. Uh, Tony Amendola, who's in, uh, I think, Once Upon a Time, um, or Once, I think it's called, I think, I'm not sure. But uh, our training in Shakespeare and the classics often sets us in good stead to do large ideas, large themes, ideas, big characters, but supporting them with some soul, you know, and um, it's a great tool for any actor coming into the business here in LA is to get their head around the classics. Um, so we do plays from Ibsen and Chekhov. We've got, um, and as Carol Churchill is a British playwright, we got one coming up right now, Cloud Nine. Um, we'll be doing Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, Oedipus. We've done quite a, quite a wide, we have a pretty wide bench, and we, as wide of a bench as we have, we have a very small theater, and it just sells out a lot, which is great, but selling out a small number of seats isn't going to keep the theater alive. So we've been offered a sweetheart deal in Glendale, California, to move into a new space, but we need to get matching funds to do it. So it's one of those things. And so in order to prompt it, we started a Shakespeare insult challenge on www.playon.info or slash info. I'm not sure. I'll double check there. <laughs> we will. We'll so, definitely double check. Important. And you can see me and Greg Edson and Armin all hurling uh, epithets, curses, and, and bad Shakespearean mojo in order to get people to raise money. Um, and if we do that, uh, we'll get into our new space. And it, the one thing we pride ourselves on is we have a massive, massive library. Yeah, I was just uh, about to say, I, like, in addition to being a theater, you guys, I'm, I'm looking at the Kickstarter right now, but yeah. you have a huge classics library. Yes, what we approach a lot of the work uh, in a non couple of non-traditional ways. One is we double cast all the shows. And it's not an understudy. Uh, situation. And although it does effectively uh, mimic what is good in LA, that if I get a gig and my, like me and Greg Gibson were doing uh, the Seagull. So if Greg got a job or if I got a job, they could step in for each other. But it's not an understudy. We simultaneously rehearse. It makes directors crazy and drives them into heroin. <laughs> but I don't care because it's an actor's theater for the most part. 
um, we pay dues. We we bring the we bring the sets in. We do the painting. We do some of the hanging. We, you know, we have designers for the designs and everything. But we do a lot of the sweat equity, and uh, we share the roles between two companies. And then after the shows are up, running with the two different companies like Team A and Team B, then we create Team C, which means people from each company get together and do shows. Now me, I love it. I'm an improviser. I was on the original UK version of Whose Line Is It Anyway? For many many years um and so i love it not knowing exactly what that you know because when you play with each other on stage there's a great sort of arc in the beginning you're figuring it out you're really listening to each other like if you're doing a broadway show or a long run and then you reach a point you kind of know what everybody's going to do and it's nice and sharp and then like familiarity sort of breeds contempt then you kind of <laughs> know what each other's doing you kind of stop listening so your friends like sweating their ass off on stage trying to get it across to you in the back of your head going did i did I take the eggplant parmesan out to thaw? <laughs> yeah. And so to avoid that and be on your toes and keep it fresh, that's one of the things that helps me. And I like it. And I learned, I mean, it's an amazing company of people. The, like I said, the, the bench is deep and wide. And when we work on a text, we get, let's say we do a Shakespeare play. So we'll get a quarto version of the Shakespeare play. We'll get the folio version. We'll get all the annotated text and we'll sit around the table and it, it's not cast. We'll all just read the play. We'll assign each other roles for that afternoon and we could probably do it different the next day and just work through the text, discuss it and talk about it. A lot of this was, was uh, part of the process that Dakin Matthews, who was one of the originators of the company, started. Dakin is a classically trained Shakespeare actor, a Shakespeare scholar, taught Shakespeare Juilliard to Kevin Klein and Robin Williams, Rusty Soul, and a bunch of other people. And he's on Broadway right now in the musical Waitress. Waitress. Yeah. 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 Dakin, Dakin gave me my first jobs as an actor in Berkeley at the Shakespeare Festival. I was an apprentice. Uh, three apprentices. It was me, Andre Brower, and Annette Benning. I don't know what happened to them. They're probably failures. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's always loved the dynamic uh, 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 of the company and the company's research. He's a brilliant mind man. And he's also completely accessible. And along with him, we have Armin, we have Harry Groner, we have Tony Mendela, we have Elizabeth Swain, Jeffrey Wade. We've got a boatload. I'm serious, serious boatload of amazingly talented people, really well-informed people, um, but all very active actors. But all goes into the hopper for making the most vital and interesting choices in the text we can. But we need money to keep that library up and to keep the programs. We also teach outside of the theater to at-risk kids. We have a Shakespeare class um, for, for people who are at risk. Um, we, we try to get it all stretched out. The three we got three people running um, the, the artistic directors. We have Rob Nagel, Bill Brooktrup, and John Sloan. It's a triumvirate. It's a hydra of, of glorious beauty and talent. <laughs> and I really love that. And they all get like, because we're all actors primarily. Some of us direct, you know, some of us do stand up and improv like me. Um, but we're all, we all love what we're doing and we want to keep doing it. And all the money is going to go into the theater. Believe me, you know, nobody's going to be walking around with fat pockets. <laughs> if you want to, I mean, you know. Dayton, if anybody wanted to walk around with fat pockets, they wouldn't go into the arts. Yeah, they definitely wouldn't go into the theater. I mean, you know, I mean, there's other parts of the arts where you can. It's a little, it's a little better gambling room in the casino of show business. Ours is like, you know, is like Penny Andy Texas Hold'em in the basement with no air conditioning. But <laughs> we love doing it, and that's what we're about. You know, 
Well, it sounds like you guys have a lot going. I mean, you even in this one in- infographic you have on the Kickstarter, you know, that's a year in review. There's just so many things that you guys do. And again, it's not just put on plays. Um, mm. It it seems like a really worthy cause to support the arts in the classic sense of it and the theater specifically. Um it's a muscle that you want to keep using, and and I'm not bagging on L.A. L.A.'s L.A., and I love working here. Uh, but what we do is what we do is important to us, and it transfers across to when we do film and TV. Film and TV doesn't necessarily come to us. The big theaters with big houses will, you know, have a big movie star in you know in it uh, who's in a capable classical actor like you know Kelsey Grammer doing a classical piece or or something like that, or the company. There's a there's a company called South Coast Rep in, in Orange County, which uses a lot of people like me, Ari Gross, a lot of actors, Rebecca Mozo. Um, so we, we get out to where the theater is, but there's not enough to, to fill, to keep us active. That's large scale, what we call equity theater. Um, ours are, are smaller theaters. And uh, so we have to do a lot of hustling to keep people's interest. Say that as it is, we always have a full house. We have a, a lot of uh, very, very interested audience members who stick around afterwards and talk with us and drink wine and get surly and like you know, <laughs> spill it on the books. But um, it's a it's 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 a it's a struggle with a small s, but we love it because there ain't nothing like live, man. There ain't nothing like live. Well, we'll provide everyone with some links to what you guys are doing at the end of the show and in the show notes. Uh, but you can find um, all of this on the Kickstarter page. It's one of the projects that Kickstarter loves. So it's, you know, pretty well featured. Um, mm. But uh, this is going on until uh, March 17th. March right, 17th, right? yeah. Yeah. So you guys are more than halfway. You're at, at, as of us recording right now, um, you're at just over $50,000 of your $75,000 goal. That's cool. Let's look at the tote board stuff. Yes. <laughs> Great. Now Ed McMahon will be sired by giant Ed, the Budweiser horse. <laughs> well, I would have thought your Kickstarter would have ended on March 15th though. Just saying. Yeah, I know. I know. I think, I think we wanted to give, you know, a couple more days before okay. after Shaky's birthday. There you go. Um, so I, I was informed that you happen to be uh, a self-proclaimed comic book geek. I do enjoy. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 60 years old. So what do you call the bronze age of comics? You know, um, especially at the point when Jack Kirby crossed over to DC, I was really loving it, but I love the early stuff. Um, um, I grew up adoring Superman and Batman. Um, you know, I love the aspects of both their stories. I'm an adopted kid. I'm adopted, uh, so you know I really latched on to all the orphan stuff that both Batman and Superman um, went through in the most of different ways. I really, as I got older, came to appreciate Batman before Frank Miller butched him up and made him more kind of what he was before was basically a scary guy who would actually kill the criminals. Yes. <laughs> you know, would like and there's one I remember there's one where the old black and white Bob Kane one where he he. Nooses a rope around this monster's neck and hangs him, swings him in air, and he's yep. like in his bat copter with his like 
just like hanging body swinging from it. I'm going like, man, that's that's harsh. <laughs> you know? um, used to pack a gun too. Yeah, on covers and shooting people left and right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was know? not an outstanding citizen. He was like not a good dude. Well, I kind of you know because uh, these all came from the beautiful pulp era when you had you had the detective, you had the essence of film noir with Batman, and with Superman you had the futuristic scenario of an outlier from another planet trying to understand human beings, and you also got that gives you and for me I, I'm stretching it too because I'm from the '60s, so I got a case of Bongheimers. You've got like you got a. <laughs> You know, you've got a Superman Jesus thing going there, too. Any right wing Christians, I'm sorry. OK, don't worry. You know, <laughs> no kryptonite in the cave. It's going to be OK. <laughs> I, I always I always say it's as much Moses, too. Right. He's cast into the reeds. Yes. So he's yes. Jewish, too. He's created by two Jewish guys from Cleveland. So, you know, it's very a, true. both testaments are in play here. That's very much so. There's, a great, there's, a, great little show, there's a great old showbiz joke, you know, um, um the the Pharaoh after the destruction of Egypt by Moses, you know, he turns to his mother and he goes, I've lost my child. The kingdom is falling apart because of this this child that you brought brought in. What could have made you think that this child was going to be important? And the mother looks and he goes, huh, he looked good in the rushes. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm stealing that, by the way. It's please, by all means. Okay. I mean, it really, it's, it's Abe Vigoda era. It's really, it's, it's tasty old. That's a beautiful. Oh, I'm, have you ever seen, I'm sure you have the movie, The Aristocrats? Yes. Yeah. Well, the, you know, that's a joke that's adaptable. I think yours is too. We could have a lot of fun with that. I am. I, I love that movie. That movie will, has often stopped me from like committing suicide when I was a younger kid, but I really <laughs> get depressed. I love it because one, it's a great bromance. Um, I love Zero Mostel. He was a template for me growing up because I'm a big guy as an actor who could perform it. It had the, you know, that, that heretical idea. When I used to see it in the Army, when I was in the 70s in the Army, you could only see it in underground cinemas along with Glenn or Glenda, you know? Yes. It was com com put in that. And also, it does have an absolute truth, an essential truth. I mean, Stanislavskian in, in it is that once you perform and you give it over to the audience, you have no control over that's it. That's right. And that's something that's right. when you, as a young actor, it takes a little bit to learn. It's already built in. I almost, I'll tell you a story, and this is why nobody should ever ask me for career advice. <laughs> when, I was doing, when I was doing Whose Line Is It Anyway, it was pretty big in the UK. I sat down with Joe Lustig, who was Brooks Films' uh, second sure. man. He, he grew up with, uh, I think it was Joe Lustig, or maybe it was Lustig, but he was Mel Brooks's kid friend who was part of Brooks Films. And me and Robert Lindsay, he took us out to lunch. And he looks at us, he goes, we have an idea to do a musical version of the producers. Wow. We'd like to ask you guys what you think about maybe doing it. And I looked at him and went, why would you want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I, the musical's really great as it is. Why would you want to, like, put music in it? And it wouldn't, you know, and he went, okay, fair enough. And, <laughs> you know, the idea went away. Years later, Robert Lindsay tried to kill me in an alley for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that would be a nice check to cash. There's a there's a there's an old Hollywood story, really old Hollywood, because when the Marx Brothers went to MGM, their, their writer and on Broadway was George Kaufman. For those who don't yep. know, the Neil Simon of the 1930s had seven plays running at once and so on. Well put. And they went to MGM and Kaufman came up with the idea for a night at the opera. And his idea was Groucho's an opera producer who wants to put on the worst opera ever, take the money and run to South America. 
And Irving Thalberg, who was in charge of that part of MGM, went, that is so old a story, no one's going to believe that we try to make a movie of it. And that's 1935. Oh, my God. I didn't but, know. That's hilarious. It's a great old story that it has legs. <laughs> that's why Thalberg died young. Yeah, exactly. Uh, did you ever see, you must have, Brain Donors? Yes. Yeah, it's great. I, I hear in your voice you love it as much as I do. Yes, I auditioned for it, the Mel Smith role. Oh, you would have been great. Yeah, I got called back twice. No, I, uh, I, I thought that was great. Yeah, it even stole it. He goes, you know, and I can see that old, and I can see an old Jamaican moon. Well, that old Jamaican's money, yes, I have no idea. Yeah, exactly. I was laying in bed one day sick and had on USA Network, and there's this movie on that I yeah. had guessed when it was in the theaters because, oh, it's the Three Stooges. No, it's a night at the opera with, with John Turturro channeling Groucho without really doing an imitation, but kind nope. of Roland T. Flack Pfizer, attorney at law. Come on. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was just because when you read the script, you're going, well, this is great. Yeah. I know how to play this. You know, it was all there. Um, yeah. yeah, that was good. I love Groucho. I grew up. I had this cassettes of Groucho Marx's of the Marx Brothers routines. It was kind of terrible. Here's something from a night at the opera with this like interstitial music going boom, 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 boom. Oh, I have, I have that record album. It's Gary then, Owens doing the narration. Yes, it was Gary Owens. Exactly. Thank you. Yep. But all from that, I ended up like, you know, just listening and listening and listening to get that sort of like, and now ladies and gentlemen, something that's very interesting for everybody, you know, to get that voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His reading was you know, he, he gave me timing. That gave me some of my timing. That yeah. that 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 cassettes. It yeah, it had an orange cover. Yes. See, wow. we were talking about uh, via email before this all went down. Mike was discussing how long our shows go, and then you bring Bob on, and now you see this yeah. is how you get roped into talking forever. No, I saw the one on the 007 attaché case. Oh, uh, the one. Oh, my God. I had that when I was a kid. Oh, I'm jealous. I'm <laughs> jealous. I so loved it. Are you still there? Yeah. Oh, good. I just dropped into my screen. That's all. Um, and I wanted to. I always wanted to be James Bond. So I went around going, you know, Rush, hello. I'm going to deliver a bullet to you. Because I was fat, everybody wanted me to be Gert Froba, <laughs> which is always irritating, you know. And I did Robin Hood with Costner. Um. Greg Proops was when I, who I did Who's Line With. Greg was in town that night or that day and I went, if you're going to come on the set, come now because Sean Connery's going to be there. Uh -huh. And we were on the set with Connery because he played Richard the Lionhearted. And they gave us, they said, you know, just be cool, just be cool. And whatever you do, do not mention the B word. <laughs> we were totally instructed not to do that. And so we're like, you know, Greg, I'm like, what? We can't have, ah, oh, damn. You know, Greg was like, well, man, this is really unfair, you know. <laughs> He's about it. And then so we're on the forest set, and Connor gets out of the truck. And he was really cool. He got off because he, you know, he's a British, he's a Scottishman, Scottish actor. He knew all the crew. He's like, oh, Chunky, good to see you again, lad. How, how's I am to the children? You know, and he was like, everybody was like, oh, Sean, how's it going, lad? You know, hey, mate, you know. It was all really cool. And then we broke for lunch, and we were in the same sort of group that Sean Connery was in. And he was in front of Greg and I, and we're just kind of behind him, losing our shit quietly. <laughs> and uh, at one point, they go, "Go, so Sean, what do you what do you want to eat?" And he goes, "Oh, I think I'll have you know, I think I'll have the kebabs." And they look at us, and we, we both go, "We'll have the kebabs too." <laughs> <laughs> look, look over his shoulder, I was like, "Am I going to have to kill you people?" 
you know. <laughs> he was really just, he, I think he sat down at the end of the table. We sat on the other end and just stared at him. You know, it was really awful. But, you know, he was, he was, I think he made like 30K and he gave it away to a charity. So, you know. You hear that. More power to him. Yeah. He's a well, great Robin Hood, too. And Robin and Marion. Oh, know, my I know God. Steph- I know Stephanie's seen that one. She's a big Audrey fan as I, I am. I am. I yeah, am. Robert Shaw was fantastic. Oh, as the sheriff. Yeah, yeah, Nicole Williamson, although a pain in the ass to act with. He like he whacks people on stage. He was still rest his soul. He was quite good in that as, as little John. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's a beautiful movie. Okay, sorry. Okay. No, I'm enjoying John this. Score. Come on, we could do this for hours. I know. I am genuinely like like I feel like I'm listening to a podcast. Like I'm like <laughs> just enjoying your banter, like a hundred percent. But we got to give some people some trivia. Okay, we got to okay. do this. We got to do this. We told them, and now I feel like my questions may be too easy. I Bob had questions prepared, and I was like, mm, I don't know. Like, should we use them? Should we not? And now I feel like you two are kindred spirits, and I should have just let Bob also ask questions here. Well, we still could. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You know, I think, I mean, I got to say, I, I, I'm slightly intimidated. Just your, the Bob's, Bob's tone of voice and his width already with everything and his calling out of stuff is telling me he is given serious, serious attention to the cultural phenomena, whereas I'm a glorious and large dilettante, probably by comparison. <laughs> uh, I, I think we are, Stephanie's word of kindred spirits is apt. I think we all... From our time period, I'm 60 this month. Oh, dude, okay. That makes we, it easy. We just, just absorbed. It was all around us. It was changing every minute, and you just had to say, I love everything, and just tried to grab everything you could with both hands. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's a weird world now for me. You know, I've been selling some of my comic book collection, and <gasps> you know, it's been sort of a – I had like three Silver Surfer ones, and um, this one place wouldn't take them. They were like their standards because they wanted to lock them in one of those nitrogen sealed boxes. Oh, the hell with that! And that kind of stuff. And I was like, "What? What?" And they were cool. I mean, they were they weren't like comic book guy on me, but yeah, like, still. My God, man, really? <laughs> Read them. Okay. Look, next, yeah. next week we're doing a for our show. We're doing. I've assigned the Galactus trilogy plus one for my colleagues to read, and we're going to discuss it. Wow, sixty six. And that day at work, I have to be out of the store, and I don't know if I'm going to get back early enough to come home. So I've already told my boss I am bringing my my copies into work. They'll be in a box, and you'd better not let anyone pour soup into them. I showed her, I showed her the prices they're worth on eBay, and she gasped. Went, be nice now. <laughs> yeah, they don't go mysteriously just missing. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Sell, selling them, I, I've i started to think of those sort of things. I've got a huge room full of stuff that I jokingly call an archive, but it was my parents' bedroom that is now filled with paper. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, you know, I could buy a new house. <laughs> no, I bet you could. Mine, mine is no, nowhere near yours. I was just getting a couple to, honestly, because my anniversary is coming up uh-huh. and the money's just a little tight. I want to get a, get my wife a gift. So... Uh, so if I sell one of those and, you know, make a little something to make her happy, you know, yeah. 24 years of marriage, you got to keep it sweet. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, here's the thing. Shouldn't you, for next year's anniversary, then uh, frame one of those silver surfers? Oh, or, that's not or, a bad or, idea. No. That's not a bad idea. Huh. <laughs> They've won. 
Thank you. Bob. I feel like there's conspiring that's going to happen post podcast. <laughs> well, he's he's sort of a cupid. He's sort of like a yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to look at me and go. Here's it. I told this story on our show some while back. Uh, our editor in chief, Bobby, had yeah. me marry them. He and his wife. I performed the ceremony. He actually had me ordained as one of these internet priests or whatever. Are you are you a Universal Life Church guy? That's me. That Yay! Me. That's me. And so then it was, well, what do you get someone as a wedding gift when you're performing the ceremony? What is not going to seem tacky? So I because I had two copies of it out of my own collection. I had an, a Fantastic Four Annual 3, The Wedding of Reed and Sue. Mine was signed by Stan. Oh, my God. On the page where he and Jack are in the book trying to crash the wedding. So I had a, a, a wonderful place by me that's now closed, a framing place. We made a, a color photocopy of the page with Stan's signature, framed the book and the page. Mm. And that was their wedding gift. Wow, dude, you're connected. You're like the, <laughs> like the, the Hallowell of comic books, man. <laughs> right on. I'm just old enough to have done some of this stuff. That's really all it comes down to, Mike. Yeah. You hang around long enough, stuff happens. Cool. Wow. Oh, well, I'm exhausted. I know. I feel like and we haven't even got into anything that we were meant to, other than we yes, did we talk did. about talk the about Kickstarter. Yeah. Oh, Bob, one sidebar, Bob. You'll like this. One of our company members, since you're my, we're the same age, is a guy named Phil Proctor. Yes. Yes. Sign theater. Dude, don't crush that dwarf. Hand me the pliers. Absolutely. Yeah. Phil, is, Phil speaks four languages and he's the nicest, most unintimidating guy. And his breadth of knowledge, as you would imagine, is like, wow. Yeah. And when I joined the company and he was in the company, I would just sit and stare at him <laughs> because um, uh, Stephanie, I, I'm not trying to be patronizing. Do you know the Fireside Theater? No. <laughs> they were they were they were a radio and L, on LP. Uh, they're comparable in some ways to Beyond the Fringe and and the explosion of social absurd humor that Britain had simultaneously. They were the repository of it uh, even before National Lampoon uh, was about. And they would do these deeply recorded pastiches of like Sherlock Holmes or adventure stories or Andy Hardy, spoofs of Andy Hardy. And they did multi-track layering. So it's sort of like it's sort of like listening to a mad magazine because everything would be in the corners in the background, you know, like chicken fat. Mad- yeah, yeah, which is beautiful stuff. And he, he, he was so important to me. John Goodman, I know Robin Williams, definitely. Robin was like, oh, I love those guys, you know. He was crazy about them. Um, they really formed, uh, I would say, you know, me and Bob's, probably our absurd, uh, heretical sense of humor it definitely gets a formation from them. Oh, absolutely. And I was listening, and I'm sure they were too, uh, and, and uh, it, Bob and Ray. Yes, bless us. Just before, who was always always on Sullivan and whatever in the old days when we were kids. And yeah. He, it's Bob Elliott's Chris Elliott's dad. And he just passed yeah. away, but just a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm enjoying this. I'm like, if you guys just want to like not do trivia, I mean, you can talk forever. I'm okay you're with that. In, you're based in New York, right? Bob is. I I'm am, in Toronto. Oh, you're in Toronto. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Bob, if I ever come out to New York, I'd love to buy you lunch. Absolutely. I, you're, we're in. We'll, we'll, we'll do something. We'll, we'll have All lunch. Right. We'll do lunch. So I'm coming out to see Hamilton. I got tickets to see Hamilton. Oh, so, I've heard so many good things about Hamilton. Yeah. I'm still I improvised taking him off the money. 
Say what? I'm still mad they're taking him off the $10 bill. Yeah, I know. I know. He, he created our money. He should be on the 10 Yes, he did. Yeah. Do you ever read the Gord Vidal book called Burr? No, I, I know of it, but never read that one. It's really good. And it, it treats Hamilton beautifully. And, uh, you know, Burr, of course, gets a little more trip because he's he's all outre and, you know, outrageous as Mr. Vidal was. You know? Yes, absolutely. Oh, well, okay. Let's let's trivia. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, I, I, I had 10 questions. I don't know if that's too much now. I don't. I, do, you, do you have let's enough go. time? All right. All right. Bob, are you ready? Sure. Mike, are you ready? Yes, I am, Stephanie. All right. We're writing down answers, by yes. the way, not yelling them out. This isn't Jeopardy. <laughs> no, you don't have to buzz in. Uh, so for everyone who's listening at home, uh, basically, if you listen to the trivia show we did a little while ago, it's the same rules, except I'm going to just be asking the questions. There's going to be no rounds. Uh, so I've got 10 here. These guys are going to write down the answers, and you guys can at home two. Uh, we will go through them at the end and tally everything up. So I I had a very warped definition of what were easy questions last time, but I feel like I am actually starting off a little bit easy this time, but but we'll, we'll see. We're going to name six of the wolves from Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh God, I'm dead there. Well, I, I was too, Mike. Don't feel bad. I promise, I, I promise that is not a question. <laughs> Um, all right. So number one, mm -hmm. according to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, what is the meaning of life? Do I answer it now? Just write it down okay. and we will feel free to be, if you, you, you want to throw Bob off cause he probably in no way knows this. You can give him fake answers, whatever, whatever your heart desires. God. <laughs> all right. I don't know if either of you were into G.I. Joe's um, at all. Well, Mike and I were into G.I. Joe when he was a 12-inch tall doll the size of Barbie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, here's a G.I. Joe question for you guys. So of these G.I. Joe character names, which one of them is not an actual character? Okay. Okay. So there's Backblast, Snowjob, Sneak Peek, Heavy Headman, Fast Blast Viper, or Double Clutch. Say them again. Oh, all right. Backblast, uh -huh. Snowjob, uh -huh. Sneak Peek, Heavy Headman. Fast Blast Viper or Double Clutch? Okay. If you had said Kung Fu Grip, I would have had a shot. <laughs> <laughs> They're all ridiculous, but most of them are real G.I. Joes, except for one. Okay. Okay. You got, you got something written down? Yeah, I'm going to guess on that one. Me too, Mike. Don't feel bad. You gotta have you gotta have a couple that you guess at. It's, it's okay. Um. All right. Number three. Who directed the Nightmare Before Christmas? Okay. Got got an answer, everyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Number four. 
Who was the only real astronaut to appear in Star Trek? Oh. <laughs> Which Star Trek? In Star Trek, period. All of them? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm so tempted to go to Wiki. I will not. I will not. <laughs> I will not. I mean, you could. You could. No, 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 I would no, no, never no. know, but... Have you done British game shows? You, you get this whole thing of like, no fair play, brother. You know? <laughs> yes. Uh, I... We this show all happens at some level because Bobby and I went to a pub quiz run by a, a British fella, and in his bar when he did pub quiz, he actually blocked all the internet signals. He had devices know. set up oh. so people went, "What? My phone doesn't work." Yeah, that's right. Your phone doesn't work. Answer oh the God. question. I love it's, it. At Edinburgh, there's a, a pub called the Dog de Bar, and it's near the University of Edinburgh, and the and the astronomers have a pub quiz. Oh, there. man. And it's nothing better than seeing pissed Scottish astronomers going, oh, you're fucking crazy, man. Oh, still a fucking planet. You know, <laughs> like losing their shit over that, you know. Like fist fights over black nice. <laughs> Um Sorry, pardon my language. No. No, that's You're we're... fine. We are, we are profanity-laced. It's A-okay. Number five? Number, Number five. What is the only film directed by Alfred Hitchcock to win the Academy Award for Best Picture? Oh. Ooh. Mr. Cotter, I know that one. God. I'm going to go. For, okay. I don't know. Go with he, your gut. Go with your gut. He ached. He ached for approval on that, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Should have won a bunch, but... Yeah, no shit. All right. Number six. What superhero is the grand nephew of the Lone Ranger? The gr What superhero? Yep. What superhero? The grand nephew yep. of the Lone Ranger. Yeah. Oh boy, that's, <laughs> that's a good one, Stephanie. Um, okay, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go out on a weird limb because it would just seem perverse if that was the case. But <laughs> yeah, superhero. You mean uh, he has to possess super or supernatural powers? No, he's just uh, um, he's just. But he's in, he's in the he's in the lineage of either a DC or a Marvel comic books. No, no. What superhero? He's a costume crime fighter. Yes. Yeah. That's let's, a better. That um, I'm going to go with my answer. I'm just going to be wrong, but at least be slightly amusing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay. What do the movies from hell road to perdition 300, a history of violence and 30 days of night all have in common? But to the movies, From Hell, Road mm -hmm. to Perdition. 300. 300. A History of Violence and 30 <laughs> Days of Night. What do they all have in common? Um, okay. All right. Couple more. And then you can breathe easy again. Okay. And I'll hit you with one. I've got a couple. 
<laughs> just for just for shites and giggles. I will never get any of Bob's questions right. <laughs> Bob's questions are like good. They're good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Uh, going into the realm of TV, what show from the '90s titled every episode "The One with Blank"? Really? <laughs> what? Come on. <laughs> okay. Actually, I'm just going to change number six because I just thought it was going to be even more ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but that could be the right one. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So nine. Let's go to question nine. All right. For nine. This author wrote Tarzan as well as the John Carter of Mars series. Okay. Donald Trump. and the last one Trump (laughs) his hair would never stay though (laughs) (laughs) all right before writing his highly controversial run on the new X-Men Grant Morrison drew mixed attention for which series starring the characters King Mob Lord Fanny Boy Ragged Robin and Jack Frost. Oh, God. <laughs> so, once again, before- oh, no. mm, yeah. One more time with those characters? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so the characters from this Grant Morrison series are King Mob, Lord Fanny, Boy, Ragged Robin, and Jack Frost. Oh, 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 no, no, no. Um, <laughs> I believe in you guys. Is it? Uh, it's like Brian Bolden to you in a way. Um, oh, 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 fuck. <laughs> All right. Not that one. <sighs> Do you have an answer too, Bob? Yes, it's not a good one, but I have an answer. <laughs> you have a potential, maybe right, maybe wrong. Oh, it's wrong. There's no question. It's yeah. Wrong. All right. But it might oh. be entertaining. All right. Well, oh, no doubt it'll be that, sir. So let's let's see the answers. Let's reveal those. All right. So number one was according to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. What is the meaning of life? Six by nine in base eight math. Yeah. 42. Everyone knows the answer is... 42. Yep. 42. Yep. Does it make sense? I don't know, but it's the meaning of life. Yes, it is. Um, Number two. Of these G.I. Joe names, which one is not an actual character? They were Backblast, Snowjob, Sneak Peek, Heavy Headman, Fast Blast Viper, and Double Clutch... What what did you guys say? Heavy Headman. Snow job. Heavy Headman is right. That is not the actual character. Does right. that seem the least clever of all of them? <laughs> the rest of them like scanned with like one or two syllable. I just didn't see. Heavy Headman is really, like the increasing power of military migraine or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought simply because that sounded so bizarre, it had to be right. That had to be one of the real ones. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
it's like yeah. you overthink it and sometimes like it like either really works for you or really against you well i figured it was bad translation into japanese and back again you ever see like an old uh import record album where the the lyrics have gone from one language and then back again and it's like that's yeah. not what it says <laughs> <laughs> so that's what i kind of thought but nicely done mike here thank you thank you bob all right number three who directed the nightmare before christmas mike Bim Turton. Henry Selleck. Yeah. Oh! Oh, thank you. That's... You smoked me. Proops was in that too, man. I should yes. know that. It's totally a trick question because obviously like... You say Tim, Tim Burton. Yeah, Tim Burton is like so heavily associated with The Nightmare Before Christmas, but he didn't actually direct it. Because they wouldn't have given it to him then. No. Because right. he was starting out then. Except now they just give him everything, as evidenced by Alice in Wonderland Part Two. Oh, let's let's not go there. It hurts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number four. Who was the only real astronaut to appear in Star Trek? Do either of you think you might know? Gus Grissom, Buzz, yes. Ol Buzz Aldrin. No, uh, it was a female. Her name was Mae Jemison. Mae Jemison, yes. Oh, mm -hmm. very good. Yeah, so uh, she's, yeah, the only real space lady, a space person to be in a show about fake space. Sort of, not fake space, real space, just in a fictional world. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, number five. Oh, I got um, Oops, sorry, God. I got a story for you. When Proops recorded Nightmare Before Christmas, he does a couple of voices in it. He, he was in the studio with Danny Elfman, and they were playing some of the music. And uh, he, he, and Bruce has got an amazing mind. He went, he goes, I really enjoy your music. A lot of it reminds me of Yip Harburg, who did the oh, love and, and he often looked at him and went, who? Oh. <laughs> and Greg went, okay, I'll shut up now. I am, I am, I am crushed. Yip Harburg wrote, you know, Over the Rainbow. Lydia yeah. the Tattoo Lady. I mean, this is Yip Harburg. Yes. Uh. And then Denny Alfman did not know who Yip Harburg was. Uh. I've lost, I've lost some luster there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To, the scales that may fall from your eyes, sometimes it hurts. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> do you need a moment, Bob? Yes, I need a moment. <laughs> I like Danny Elfman's wife, too. I'm a big Bridget Fonda fan. Mm -hmm. um, well, I, anyway. I, I feel like you, Bob, know the answer to number five. Yes, uh, it's, it's his it's Mr. Hitchcock's first American film. Yeah, so the only Quebec. one to win Best Picture. Yeah. Quebec from 1940. Yeah. Oh God, no! I went all the way later. I went. I went. I went to the end where he went back to his first, his last British film, Frenzy. It's Frenzy is great. That should have yeah. won too. Yes. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Oh, damn. Okay. Wrong. So I'm really interested to hear what your answer is for this one, which is which. Superhero is the grandnephew of the Lone Ranger. Okay. I'm just so stupid. I'm just saying it. John John's Martian Manhunter. You're close. Really? Yeah. Well, it's the Green Hornet. Ah! <laughs> uh, they were, they were both created by the same radio writer, a fellow named George W. Trendle. For, I think it was WXYZ Radio. Oh. Uh, Green Hornet is Britt Reed. The Lone Ranger is John Reed. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That you know that's great. I love John Johns. I love the early ones. Yeah. 
You look, you look like a green gay athlete. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're, we're nearing the end. I've kept, we've kept you so much longer than I said we would. I'm so sorry. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. All right. It really is. Um, so number seven is what do the movies from, he- from hell, Road to Perdition, 300, A History of Violence, and 30 Days of Night all have in common? I said start as graphic novels, but I bet it's probably something more. Bob? William Fitchner is in all of them. No, he's not. No, they're, they're comics adaptations. Yeah, that's correct. They're all adaptations. Graphic novels is, yes, that counts. Maybe oh, not necessarily. From, when yeah. I saw From Hell, I wanted to jump up in the cinema and rip the freaking screen down. <laughs> you mean you didn't love you didn't love all, everything about that? Heather Graham, Johnny Depp. Just cheesed me off that that central theme. I mean, the great thing that Alan Moore has, like when he when he does when uh, what's his name does the ritual and he's transported into like late eighties London into this sterile office. And the idea that all this chicanery, all this alchemy, all this murder, just, you know, like, you know, Bruno Bettelheim, it just was banal. The evil that he created brought him into this banal world. And that was like a, that was a worse hell for him than anything he could have imagined. You know, I just, I love the, the, the idea that he did all this awful devil's work only to be stuck into like, into the office of Bear Stearns. Yeah, yeah. You know, the irony of that was just delicious in the panels. And then when I saw it, you know, and I asked Robbie Coltrane, because I'm friends with Robbie, I was like, what? And he goes, he goes, oh, wow, you know, the money's good. And I go, yeah. He goes, I didn't want to read the comic books because he, he said the graphic novel because, you know, it was Alan Moore and he would just cry anyway. You know, <laughs> it's very true. I love Alan Moore so much. You actually, so I don't know if you're familiar with um, uh, the artist Mike Collins, um, but I, I was in Malta with him last year for a convention there, and um, he was telling me this story, like really nonchalantly. He used to do these um, Doctor Who zines just for fun yeah. before he got famous, and well, like um, he does like a lot of Doctor Who stuff officially now. But yeah. back when he was just doing it for fun, he was wandering around, uh, or he was booth rather at Artist Alley, and this gentleman came up to him. And was looking through his Doctor Who zines and got like really excited about it. And um, he he was just drawing. So he like Mike hadn't looked up. And the guy's like, if, if I send you a script, will you do like a Doctor Who zine for my script? And he's like, sure, 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 sure. Very British, very polite, very like, mm, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yes, mm, okay. <laughs> uh, and he like is still drawing and he's just like, yeah, like these are great. And, like, it's still, like, going on and on about the zines. And he's like, I'm going to send you a script. Do you feel comfortable, like, giving me your address? And he's like, mm, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. And, like, gives them the information, thinking, like, this person's just going to, like, disappear after this. Whatever. He looks up, and it's Alan Moore. <laughs> and, like, nonchalantly, like, over dinner, he's, like, telling this story, kind of just like, oh, this one time I did, like, an Alan Moore thing. Like, just, like, completely casually. And this other guy that was there was like, um, do you have this somewhere still? He's like, oh, yeah, I guess I do. Oh, my God. And, like, he's like, we're like, you should just, like, publish this again for fun. He's like, oh, wait, yeah, maybe I will. That seems like an okay idea. And you're like, what? No, this seems like a great idea. Like, like actual Alan Moore Doctor Who fan fiction exists in the world. Wow. Yeah. That is so cool. 
So I love going on YouTube and watching Alan Moore talk <laughs> about science fiction and, you know, the places that Lovecraft and Howard, August Arthur reside. It's the best. I mean, you, you, sh you could get a degree in that those subject matters from listening to him. And there's also, there's a British, not British, can Canadian show from the eighties called beyond gravity or something, or it's the, the premise is a guy hates her so much. He goes, he tries to escape earth in a velocity in a ship and he crashes into a space station and he's marooned there. And so uh, in order to entertain himself, he has a, a video link to earth where he talks to people like Alan Moore or Philip Jose Farmer or, you know, and he just talks to them about themes like heroes, villains, space travel, you know, all, all this stuff. And it's Canadian. It's from the 80s. And the guy kind of looks like, oh, not Harold Ramis, but he kind of looks like um, he's kind of a nerdy dude with a cap. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll text it to you. You guys should watch it. I mean, yeah, definitely write that down. Definitely going to want to see that. Yeah, you would love it. Yeah, both of you guys would love it. And you listen to it, and they discuss into great detail, you know, in great detail, uh, themes of science fiction and fantasy and what, why they occupy a, a cultural place and, and what the kind of rules are. But they're not, they're not gatekeeper dicks. They're, they're really open to it, you know. Because um, <laughs> you can get that sometimes. You guys are like, well, I don't think that would happen in that world. I'm like, yeah, because it's made up. <laughs> but Philip Jose Farmer connected every fictional character ever into one giant universe. They're all related somehow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why not? I, I like think it's beautiful. I think it's yeah. beautiful. Okay, what do we got? Number all right, eight? let's, let's Number finish eight. this up. Yeah. So we've got what show from the 90s titled every episode, the one with blank? Meet the Press? <laughs> the, one, the one series I have never, ever, ever watched more than 10 minutes of and went, what the fuck? Friends. <laughs> right. And I have friends who worked on it as writers. I always feel ashamed. They go, what'd you think of it? I'm like, yeah, it was really good, man. I've <laughs> actually never watched one. I could. I've seen I've been... four. <laughs> yeah, but you I still mean, knew. Like, you still knew the answer. Yeah. I know because of the title and the titular thing. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I really would rather, I would rather, I would rather wrap flank steak around my testicles and have a go with an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it doesn't hold up well. I grew up without a TV, really. So I did not watch Friends growing up. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm one of those weird kids. <laughs> I'm better for it. I read a lot of books. I earned my allowance by reading books. And my parents made me give them, like, not like written book reports, but I had to convincingly like tell them about a book that I read that was over 200 pages. And that was wow. how I earned my allowance growing up. Yeah. And that's why you're who you are today. I do genuinely appreciate the, that aspect and other things now that I'm grown up at the time I was like, Ugh, everything's awful. My life's so awful. Um, but were you raised in Toronto. Uh, I, I was born here, but then my parents were, um, in that, this isn't a good place to raise a child mode. And we moved out to the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. I love Toronto. I did, uh, I, I hung out with Jeremy Northam when he did Mimic. Oh, everything's filmed Town. here. Huh? So much stuff is filmed here. I live right beside Cabbage Town. Like I, yeah. I live there. I never saw black squirrels before. Really? They're everywhere they here. Mind. They blew my mind. They're like the default. There's an albino squirrel in town somewhere. And I, I spent like a couple weekends in the summer trying to find him. He was like 
my squirrel Moby Dick. Hey, <laughs> that's the squirrel that took me away. <laughs> I mean, not quite in- uh-huh. as intense. Like an chill. <laughs> it, it, I didn't find. I didn't find him. What I love about Canada is peanut butter is a condiment in restaurants. Yeah, yeah. Does that little packets? You is know? that not a thing in the states? I swear that's a thing oh, in the states. All. No, you, you get the ketchup, the salt, the mustard, but you don't get peanut butter. Also, I'm always, <laughs> I love Canada because I'm I'm adopted and I'm half Métis. Oh. My mother was Métis from the Red River Valley. That's very cool. Yeah. So I was named after Louis David Riel, the Métis John Brown. That's really they, awesome. Then they changed my name to David McSh- Michael David McShane. So I'm fascinated with Canada and uh, and, uh, and and may well and, and probably stand me in good stead because if Trump gets elected, maybe coming up there soon. <laughs> hey, it's great. And there's like lots to do as far as acting in Toronto, especially in Vancouver. Lots yeah, and, and lots. I had a great meal at the Hotel Senator there. I remember a great steak dinner in these old style booths. We got hammered, Lord Almighty. Oh, I know exactly where that is. You know I, yeah. Yeah. I've never been there, but. Like I pass it literally every day and I I just somebody was like, Oh my god, you should go there. It's amazing. And I was like, Really? Yeah, it's like the Tadich Grill in San Francisco. It's very it's a old form of dining. It's really great. Yeah. I'm I'm very intrigued now and like I see it and I'm like so aware of it and I need to convince somebody. I'm like, let's go here. It, yes. It'll happen. Um Number nine. All right, number, number nine. nine. Number nine. This author wrote Tarzan. As well as the John Carter of Mars series. Edgar Rice Sparrows. Yeah. Founder yes. of Tarzana, California. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. The, the home of Tarzana. And the last question was one that you both seemed a little bit like, about. Um, but this was um, before writing his highly controversial run on New X-Men. Grant Morrison drew mixed attention for which series starring King Mob, Lord Fanny, Boy, Ragged Robin, and Jack Frost. I just remember the covers, and a buddy of mine in England, Paul Foxcroft, who's a major geek. It, and I, if I was going to call it the Invincibles, but it's the Invisibles. Yes. I thought it was Little Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> very well, close. That would have been very dark indeed. That's sort of like my uh, my gay version of Yogi and Boo Boo that I was drawing for a while. Nice. I, was, I always wondered about them. Two bears in the woods, one older and wiser, one a little less butch and young and, you know. <laughs> hey there, boo-boo! <laughs> Do I have See? to be the body man again? Let's <laughs> right uh, be your picnic basket. <laughs> many, many years ago, before there was all the CGI stuff, friends of mine and I were making movies in the back of a comic book store, little stupid stuff, and we shot talk shows and craziness. We had this ridiculous idea that they should do a live-action Yogi Bear with guys in suits. <laughs> and it should be Clint Eastwood and Charles Bronson. <laughs> hey, hey, boo-boo. I don't know. What do you want me to do, Yogi? I don't want to do that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That well, is a very good idea. And it was that. We wanted to make a bowling movie. With all the great action stars of the '80s, figuring that bowling it would, you know, there'd be nothing, no action at all, and we'd have all the wives in it. So it would be Clint and Sandra Locke and Charles Bronson and Jill Ireland and Steven Seagal and Kelly LeBrock and the whole, the whole thing. It was, you know, double wood it was good. 
We're going to have Joe Spinell play Mr. Footwear, you know, giving out the shoes, spraying the, the disinfecting it, whatever. It's like Zelda, Zelda the expendables, with but with bowling. But right. Oh, and we were way ahead of the curve, you see. <laughs> way ahead of the curve. Einstein would run the snack bar, you know, hand out the plates of French fries and stuff. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. I, that's I, kind of, look, have you seen House of Cosby's? No. Oh, gosh. It, it got injunction against it a while ago, but... I think Bill's been busy with other stuff right now. So uh, <laughs> kind of forgot about it. It's just, it's very, you know, it's really like flash animation where a guy has, you know, a guy has a, uh, a, a cloning machine in his house. He just happens to have, and he starts cloning a Cosby off of a sweater the, but from the Huxtable show. And of course it's a copy of a copy of a copy. So he's got like 10 of them in the house. And he's like, I'm just sitting naked in the bathtub Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just got these weird Cosby's doing weird crap all over the place. It's on YouTube. I think you can still get it. It's very funny. You enjoy it. Definitely checking that one out, too. Well, I, I don't want to interrupt any more of your discussion, which has been actually amazing for me to listen to. Like, Bob is, I swear, like, you talk and whenever we do talking comics and everyone is just like, oh, right, we're supposed to interact with you. You always have, like, the best things to say. And I feel like there's like two bobs right now. Like I have those bobs, <laughs> all the bobs. Um, but I, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want people to lose focus of the fact that you're here to promote a very cool Kickstarter. I so am. where where can people find more information on that? Um, after you know, listening to you guys do some awesome trivia and ha- tell some great stories. Well, um, you can look on our website, uh, two web, two, two of them, one, which is www.antaeus.org. Antaeus uh, was one of the titans uh, that fought uh, Hercules, and he drew his power from the earth. And that's when Hercules lifted him off of the earth, he was weak. And the idea that we're stage actors and we connect by having our feet on the stage and on the ground. That's where the title comes from of the company. Excuse me. And our Kickstarter campaign is www.playon.info or slash info. We'll definitely put it in the show notes as well. And you guys are doing the Shakespearean insults over on Twitter as well. Yes. So you can can follow the Shakespeare insult challenge. You got me, Greg Itson. There's somebody who's from Downton Abbey that did something. You have a bunch of us doing things. You've got Armin Shimmerman as Shakespeare. Armin's a Shakespeare scholar. He's an amazing scholar. You can sit and talk Shakespeare with him and come away with a whole new look at a speech or a, a scene. And he's really, it's great. He's unintimidating, too. He's just a sweet man. He's very generous. I'm lucky. I mean, the company's full of really generous, intelligent people, you know, and it's always nice Which to be Which is why you them. guys are working so hard to make it even better. Heck, Yes. Heck yes, us. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this and for talking with us and becoming new BFFs with Bob. Bob, I really, yeah, you're, you're so cool. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I feel the same way. We're having a great time here. But I'm going to ask you a question, though, right here that may scotch the whole thing. Uh-oh. All right. You ready? Do I need to stop oh, the recording? Are we? No, 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 no. <laughs> you may know the answer. Oh, okay. Fear no knowledge. Fear no knowledge. Okay. What is singular about the 1964 William Shatner film Incubus? Oh. Singular about the 1964 mm-hmm. Oh. Incubus. I do not know this. Directed by Leslie Stevens, who created The Outer Limits. Yeah. 
Oh, crikey, you got me on that one. It is the only film in the artificial language of Esperanto. <gasps> that's it! Oh, God, just as you were saying it, I remembered that's right, because he, he goes on about that. Yes. That's right. Ah. Good for you. Sir, you had me, sir. <laughs> Bob also ran a trivia night. Both of us ran trivia nights in our respective cities. So, Oh, boy. I bet, and I bet both were very entertaining. It's, Stephanie, thank you for, for, for chiming in and guiding us with this, man. I appreciate yeah, it. A lot yeah, of fun. absolutely. I had a blast talking to you both and listening to you both. So everybody who's listening, make sure to go check out the Kickstarter. Go support it. It's got uh, just under two weeks left, I believe. Um, so make sure you head there. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff, even if you're not in California and you can't see uh, the plays. I know there's a lot of tickets and stuff. Um, but get a Shakespeare insult tweeted at you. Get Truly. something Truly. really cool over there. Check it out and uh, tune into the next special edition of Talking Comics.